This is Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. Our heart for you is that you would live like Jesus and share his love. In this 13th episode of Radiant Reflections, Pastor Josh Harama and Pastor Ryan Bibb unpack more of Pastor Ryan's message about the belt of truth. They'll even dive into the question, what is truth and how do we define it? We'll learn that it's vitally important that we take our cues about truth directly from the Word of God. Now here's Pastor Ryan and Pastor Josh. Well, good morning. It's Josh Sherma here with another episode of Radiant Reflections Podcast for Radiant Life Church. This is episode 13, Rock and Roll, and we are coming to you from our brand new lobby. We're super excited to be in here. We, we moved into our offices today. It's pretty sweet. I'm here once again with Pastor Ryan Bibb. How are you doing, Pastor Ryan Bibb? <laughs> doing well. It's <laughs> nice to be back into our space and new offices. and Yeah, really excited about this space that we're in now. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. So for those of you that uh, are, are watching, you're getting just like a, a little snippet here. Uh, but otherwise, you're going to have to come check it out and uh, see it because it's pretty sweet. But uh, we are in a series called SWAT, Spiritual Warfare and Tactics. Tactics. What was that again? Tactics. <laughs> tactics. Spiritual warfare and tactics here at Radiant Life, talking about uh, the armor of God. And we had the second installment of that series yesterday, where Pastor Ryan talked about the belt of truth. Now, there are several pieces of armor listed, Ryan, but do we really need all of them? Or can we, hey, if I've got, if I've got a shield and I've got a sword, aren't I good? Can I do battle? Uh, you can do battle, but you're not very, you're not equipped for the full battle. I mean, so, there's a reason why Paul has all those armor pieces and he says, put on the full armor of God. So yeah, there's, there's something that Paul's getting at that we need every single piece. Uh, now you look at that scripture, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, and you look and actually say there's six pieces of armor. So I would argue there's actually seven pieces of armor because uh, without spoiling the last teaching of our SWAT series, y'all will just have to tune in. <laughs> um, there is one piece that I really believe it holds up the entire armor. Is it a rocket all, pack? Uh, you'll have to find out. Okay. <laughs> at the end of July, when we finally get there, I really, I really hope that it's a rocket pack. I uh, hate to disappoint you, but Romans <laughs> did not have rocket pack, as Paul is in arrested, and for two years he's been seeing this Roman soldier. I'm sure not the same Roman soldier. I would assume the rotation, but he sees what they're wearing, and I'm pretty sure Romans in the first century world did not have rocket packs. Which, if they had, the Roman Empire probably never would have fallen, and history would be totally different. This is true. Anyways, so uh, I think it was in week one of this series, right? And you had talked about this idea that we already have victory, right? Like, in a sense, God has already won. Yeah. So... Why does the devil even bother? Right? We talk about spiritual warfare, but if God has already won, why, why does he even put up a fight? Why does, why does the devil try to drag us down? Why, if he knows psh, he's done, why does he keep going? Well, uh, think of John 10.10. I love that verse. Um, for he comes to steal, seek, or steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, the thief comes, referring to the devil, Satan. Um, but then Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and life to the full. So if the devil can at least get and distract you and bother you and get you off track, um, 
and not live into the life that Jesus says to have life and life to the full or life abundantly, he's going to, even though he's got, which I said in week one, he's got a defeat sentence already. Um, if he can get you off track and uh, just not allow you to fulfill that life that Jesus says, uh, life abundantly and life to the full, man, he's going to do everything he can. That you don't continue to build God's kingdom. That you don't experience God to the fullness. So he knows he's going to lose. He just wants to take as many people with him as he can. Yeah, like, you you think, here's a sports analogy. You go out, and you know, this team is better than us. We are going to lose. We know this. Like, we're not as good as those guys or gals out there right now. But if I can just try to trip you up, if I can maybe, football analogy, if I can at least get three points on the board. Dude, that's, that may just be a, a victory for us just to put three points on the board against this team. We know we're going to get crushed. Or if I can just keep it close, keep it within 20 points, that's, that's a morale victory for us, even though I don't, I don't think in sports there really is moral victories. <laughs> Losing is horrible. You, you either you win or you lose. You win or lose. You're like, oh, no, but we walked out with a moral victory. No, they are still hurting because they captured a big L on their record, and it's losing stinks. But, uh, yeah, if he can just trip us up. Because, you know, the, the idea of, of what Paul's getting at is, listen, there's everyday spiritual battles that we face, and we're to suit up with this armor. And um, the armor that we're to suit up is for the spiritual battle. But if we only put on certain pieces and not the full armor, man, the devil's going to have a heyday. He's going to know where to attack us and go after us. Trip you up. Don't live into the life that Jesus fully died and paid for for you to live in. Don't live into the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. If the devil can trip you up, he's going to keep bothering you and going after you. So you stated that, well, the devil is the enemy of God. He's not his equal. First of all, how does he accomplish as much as he does with such limited power? And, you, you know, you talk, you talk about this idea that, you know, the devil is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful, and he's not omnipresent. He isn't everywhere all at the same time, which are three characteristics of God. For those of you that are listening, those are things that we would use to describe God. He is everywhere all at once. He can do everything, and he knows everything. Uh, The same is not true of the devil. So with such limited power, how is it that he still manages to, like, jack up a whole bunch of people's lives? Well, what you just said is like your basic theology 101 classes in college right there. Those are the the three omnis of God and that the devil is not. Um, You're right. You know, here's one of the statements that we make. We think the devil's behind every bush, and he's not not everywhere. I mean, like you said, he's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere, but God is. But that's why the devil has his own fallen um, army. He's got those little demonic, what we see in scripture as demons uh, that are at work in this world, and they are at work against us as well. And um, yeah, uh, I think we talked about it last podcast. We don't, it, scripture doesn't give us a ton of detail in depth on demons. We know they're there. We know that they're part of, if you will, Satan's army um, and part of his plan to derail us, to attack us. And that's what, that's, that's what you feel like the devil is everywhere because he does have an army that is out to seek us and have flaming arrows to shoot at us. Which, Sounds painful. <laughs> um, hey, it's part of the armor of God, right? Take up the shield because you have flaming arrows that are coming and the shield will help extinguish it. Um, and so we have targets on our back and the devil can use his little demons 
little demonic guys. I have no idea what they look like. Again, we talked last time. Maybe Hollywood has uh, gave us a mental Ske- picture. Skewed our vision <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> right or wrong, but it's there. Um, and yeah, so that's why it feels. That's why we're under attack. There are real demons working in this world, and we see it all throughout Scripture. You see it uh, in the New Testament. A lot of a lot of healings. Jesus performs exorcisms of literally people who have been, um, what's the right word? Not oppressed. Well, I mean, so you're, so you're talking about uh, uh, occasions where you know, we think of spiritual warfare, we think of demons as being spiritual beings, but you're talking about uh, a time where you have spiritual beings that are manifesting in physical ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you have a lot of exorcisms that Jesus performs, a lot of those miracles there. Um, which brings into a question, you know, can, can, a, can a believer um, be possessed by a, by a demon? Um, and I, I would fully answer this question and say, absolutely not, because you have the power and authority. You are claimed uh, by Jesus Christ, but you most certainly can have demon oppression in your life. Now, there's a difference between possession and oppression, but absolutely, a believer can be oppressed by a demon. And we talked last week. We opened doors for the devil to come. Uh, he comes either through invitation or invasion, and we open doors, and we can have oppression in our lives as followers of Jesus. But listen, you can walk in victory. There's power and authority. The devil has limited power. We have to also understand the devil does have power, but it's limited. He has no authority the authority lies with Jesus Christ. And what he has right, still falls under the scope of God's greater authority. You know, Absolutely. So, I mean, which, I mean, you go, and not to, not to derail us or, or turn it into something that it isn't, but you see in the book of Job, right, the devil comes before God, and basically God has to, the devil can't do anything against Job without God's permission. So, which is, I mean, it's kind of an interesting, you know, like if, if, if you read through that, the first couple of chapters of Job, it's an interesting Mental picture. Yeah. <laughs> like Satan, like, schlepping into the throne room of God. Like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, it's good. But, well, so Jesus refers to the devil as the father of lies. Does this mean that he only speaks lies? Like, is, is the devil incapable of speaking the truth? Oh. <laughs> oh. Um, I, 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 Okay. I didn't know this question was coming. <laughs> I read I, I'm going to say he can only speak lies. Um, yes, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on that bandwagon that he can because that's the way Jesus describes him. Only truth comes from God, and he is by far the complete opposite of who God is and the nature of God. So, yes, I think there is a reason why we call him the father of lies and not the father of truth. Uh, God's the father of truth. Satan is the father of lies. So, yeah, I, I looked at it this past week. Uh, I forgot the scripture off the top, the reference off the top of my head. Um, but he comes as an angel of light, right, um, to trip us up. I think so it, it's, it's always questioning the truth. And I mentioned it um, yesterday. I mentioned it about the idea of he's been doing it since the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden. Uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, did God, or before they sinned, you know, you have the serpent, and did God really say, right? It's that, it's that dance. And so it's always the questioning of the truth with little deceit and lies. And it's difficult. You threw me for a curveball there, I will say. 
<laughs> I did not know that question was coming. That's a great question. Well, because it's like I mean, thinking on it, the spot, right? Because now. if you if you if you go back, right? There's uh, you know, you, you see the devil is is a created being. Right? Yes. The, the devil is not eternal in the sense that that God is eternal has has been without beginning. Uh, the devil is a created being. So at some point, right? He would have been a a good, you know, a good, a good guy. <laughs> I use that term, you know, maybe loosely, and you know, so at some point he would have been part of God's good creation, and then he made a shift. So yeah, it's just it's just curious to see what you thought, whether or not he was even capable of speaking the truth. So. I think before the fall, before he was fallen, but since he has fallen, absolutely not. Okay, I'm going to throw that question on you. See, I think. You, you actually made it a little bit harder because you brought up in your message this idea of what is right and what is almost right. Because I think, I think the devil is able to, he can say things that are true. For example, and so, so we're going we're gonna to ju- jump a little bit in the next question with this. Right? Right. But when Jesus is in the desert, right? Jesus, before he sp- starts his ministry, yep. Jesus goes out into the desert 40 days. He's fasting, uh, and we know that he's being tempted. And the devil comes to him. Yes. And the devil is tempting Jesus, but he's using scripture. So the, the devil is speaking scripture, and scripture is true. However, the way that he utilized it is deceitful. Is deceitful. So, so he's so not. So that's where it's like a it's kind of a subtle thing, you know, like he's speaking words that are true, yeah. but he's he's kind of wrenching them out of which is the you know, they're, they're the context. deceit. That's why I said, I said yesterday, the devil deals in deception. And that's where the fine line is between what's right and what's almost right. And that's where, I think, going back to the armor of God, that's why that first piece is the belt. You got to gird up with the truth of God. So we know when that fine line comes between right and almost right, we're right there and we know the truth. But how, but how do we tease it out? Right, I mean, because if the things that the devil throws at us are so subtle, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, are you saying like, do we need to have like a a, a Bible professor's level of knowledge on Scripture to be yes. able to say, oh, hey, like, no, this is this is God's <laughs> truth, you know? And and no, give me give me something for for the person who's listening or the person who's watching. He says, man, like I'm you know like I read the Bible, but I still feel like I get tripped up by these you know what's right or what's almost right. Sure. And how do we tease those out? Because it is, it can be so subtle. It can, it, it can be, and that's why it's scary. I was joking when I said, yes, you have to have a professor's <laughs> Bible you. knowledge, by the Glad way. Glad he clarified okay. that. So. Um, that is not true. But um, all, all, the, I, uh, all the seminaries were probably really excited. They're like, we're going to see an increase yes. in enrollment because everyone's going to be coming to sign up for Bible college. And all the rest of us are like, oh, crud. <laughs> he just said, I do have to have professor theology. Um, no, here's, here's, why, here's why I jokingly said yes on a side note. Um, we talked about this a couple podcasts ago. Uh, we're biblically illiterate in our culture today. We just don't know full truth. We, let's, let's be honest. And it, it's interesting. I feel like a lot of our podcasts can go this way. The importance of a quiet time. Um, getting into God's word daily, every single day. Um, we live in a culture, what I said yesterday, a culture of compromise, and here we are. We live in a culture of busyness, right? It's almost like prideful to be busy. 
Like I just, oh, yeah. I don't have time, right? I'm just, I just busy. I'm doing so many things, and which can be good, but it also can be very, very dangerous and bad. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why God says, "Hold on, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy." Hey, carve out one day of the week. It's just me. Um, slow down. Cease from working. Just be with me. And so there has to be a moment in our own walk with Jesus that we are in his truth every single day. I, I, I personally, I take my Bible. I never, I, I don't want to say I never, I almost never, I almost never miss a day without getting into God's word. Um, now that has changed. It's, it's evolved over time with me. I used to not take my Bible outside on my phone. It was on my phone, but I would not take my Bible with me on vacation. Um, you almost like, oh, it's my vacation. Like, I, <laughs> I'm it's taking a vacation a, I'm from a the Bible, from too. <laughs> uh, no, I bring my Bible now every vacation. Even when I'm gone, I still have that same morning routine. Even on vacation, I wake up, I have my quiet time. Which is even, I want to encourage those that are watching and listening, it's even greater when you, you like, go read God's word on the beach. It's so enriching. It's just a different environment. We don't get that here in Michigan. I mean, unless you live on like Lake Michigan or something, but to dig your toes in sand and read God's word, it's just rejuvenating. It's incredible. Or to hear ocean therapy and reading God's word, it's awesome, but we need to be in it. We need to be in it. I'm totally forgot what your question was. Um, but the fine line between right and almost right, you will never know that line if you're not in God's truth. So First and foremost, it has to start right there in so, our life. But let me, let me push back a little bit because as we see in this account of Jesus' temptation, right, the devil knows scripture. The devil right? does. The devil probably knows he scripture. Does. He knows God's word probably better than a lot of us who are following Jesus know our scripture. Yeah. So if the devil has a really good grasp of scripture and an ability to twist it yep. to be an almost right thing, what do we use as a benchmark? Because I might sit, I might read scripture, and and is the devil capable of twisting those words? Is that maybe I'm having a quiet so time the difference every so morning. power and authority of the Holy Spirit in your life is the difference maker, right? The devil knows scripture; he's sitting there tempting Jesus, but he has he doesn't have the Holy Spirit living inside of him. Jesus sits there and rebukes him with scripture, with truth. The difference is, though, we have the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God living inside of us, which is the Holy Spirit. We have that to help discern the right and almost right. So we, we turn to truth, God's word. We turn to the Holy Spirit. Help me discern. I think discernment is a huge key, key thing. I'm beginning to pray discernment every single day, every morning in my life now. A year ago, I would pray it here and there. It is a daily routine now for me for discernment and wisdom. And uh, we have to do that as well. We have to know that that line is there. We all, we all will acknowledge, whether we follow Jesus or not, there's a line. Truth, not truth, right, almost right. But you have God's truth guiding as our core support. You have the Holy Spirit in your life to convict us of that. But I also think that this is why we need to be in community where we have each other, other followers of Jesus, brothers and sisters in Christ, to help us also to know that, um, that line of almost right and right. And, but this is also, you get in community, get surrounded by a group of uh, Jesus followers, here's the thing, you're going to have to open up though too. Hey, help me, I've got this decision to make. There's 
it seems this or this, like I'm, I'm trying to seek God's word, asking God to reveal through discernment. Maybe God's going to use you guys to speak into me and help me know what, what is that line. So we have, we have the internal benchmark, if you will, of Holy Spirit. You have external benchmarks. Community is one of those. But this is also why over the course of the church, you know, of the, of the whole history of the church, right, you've had churches come out with, with things like creeds. You know, maybe if, if you're listening, you grew up in church, maybe you've heard the, the Apostles' Creed or the, the Nicene, Nicene Creed or, you know, some of these different things. These were, were kind of a, a calling people back. No, like this is, is a benchmark like if somebody doesn't line up with these things that we we take from scripture like that is that is an almost right you know because o- over the years of the church and and Paul in his letters he had to deal with a lot of people trying to bring in like almost right things <laughs> some of the things that were, there was no way they they weren't even almost right they were like okay <laughs> who thought of that one that was crazy gary um gary and, and gary i don't know i'm sure gary somebody probably that, was also not a first century name <laughs> Karen? Karen. Okay. <laughs> or Karen. Gary and go. Karen. And those that are watching and listening, name Gary or Karen, we're sorry. That's, we don't we mean, have used your name. We don't mean you personally. You know, so no offense. No offense. Um, but so there, there are these external benchmarks as well. Because it is really easy for people to read, uh, hey, I'm going to read a, a passage of Scripture. And they're like, oh, well, hey, this is what this means. And they, and you know, maybe they take it out of context. Maybe they, I'll, so my, my, <laughs> it's graduation season. Okay, let me, I hope I don't totally derail us here. But it drives me bonkers that, that Jeremiah 29 11 is like this graduation theme verse for people. And, and if you're out there and you wrote this on a card, I'm kind of picking on you. I really am, right? This is the, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper, you know, and da 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 da. And people are like, oh, I love that. And I always want to tell people when they, when they bring that. And this is where uh, context matters. Right? Because you, you read that and you're like, oh, this is great. God has plans for me to prosper. Read the verse before where he says, before you prosper, you're going to be in exile for 70 years. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting No, that was, that was good. No, I, I will speak into that um, real quick. Because I know a lot of us that follow Jesus, we have, may have memorized that scripture. We may have, um, have it on coffee mugs or in our homes. That was a very specific scripture mentioned to the nation of Israel. Now, what we can 2,000 years or 3,000, 3,500 years removed, uh, 3,000 years removed from that, that point of scripture, we could take um, the principles and values of that scripture. Say, yeah, the Lord um, does have a plan and purpose for us. But yes, context matters because we've taken it out and declared it on our life when that was a specific promise for the nation of Israel. Yeah, yeah. Of so, understanding what they were headed into. So have your quiet times, but... Get in community uh, and make sure you're asking the Holy Spirit for discernment. And then, you know, weigh it against some of these things. Again, well, hey, if you've got any, if you read scripture and you come up with something that says anything other than Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, mm, you're, you're, you're getting off the path. You're and, 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 you know, here's the, the key thing that you said was that internal um, indicator is the Holy Spirit, not your feelings. Yes. You got to be careful about feelings leading you into truth. That is where you have today in the church world across this globe where Christians fight over, um, here's for homosexuality, feelings lead. This is where a complete division within the church is happening right now. Do we stand by what God's word says 
or do we allow our feelings to dictate what we actually believe on that matter? That's just one issue. Be careful to allow your feelings to lead you in the truth. Well, it, this or that should be right. They, it, not, not should. Truth is God's standard. I def, that that's, leads into the next question. Truth is God's standard. That's what truth is. It's his word. It's his standard. It's in what I said on Sunday. It's his opinion on any matter, not the way we feel on a matter. We're not God. And feelings come and go, and we're rushed by this and that, whatever. We have to be guided by God's truth. So on that note, though, how do we navigate things? And and you just brought one up. How do we navigate things that uh, maybe Scripture doesn't speak explicitly on. For example, I've heard people make the argument. They say, well, Jesus never directly addressed same-sex sexual relationships. Right. Therefore, he, he, he must be okay with those. Yeah. Right? I mean, so, so that's one. And then you've got things like, I remember, you know, as a teenager, and not, I never did this. I'm not knocking you if you did as a teenager or whatever. But, like, as a teenager, like, I never did drugs or anything like that. But, like, it was really easy for church leaders to be like, oh, like, well, don't do drugs, kids. It's illegal, right? <laughs> and you can appeal to the, the legality as kind of your, your moral guidance because yeah. there's not really a verse that says, thou shalt not smoke pot. You are 100%. And, and Jesus now, never says don't do drugs, but we would all agree drugs are bad. We should not do drugs. So how, so how, do, we, how do we navigate those things that don't have, which actually, spoiler, and I've actually used this in a couple of my messages, Scripture does talk about drugs. Uh, it's just we, we translate the word differently. But so for something yeah, like... pharmakia. Yeah, pharmakia. I mean, which is, it's, we usually uh, interpret that in our, our Bibles as sorcery, uh, which is one aspect of it, but that is, that is only one aspect of it. It also uh, includes uh, drug use. Drug use, and that's where we get the, the word pharmacy. And, by the way, who knows what the, what, um, in drug use, who knows what the door of invitation of the devil would happen there. I was running in San Diego um, on a boardwalk, and a guy, obviously 100% under the influence of drugs, and he's speaking to himself. This is what he's saying. I'm not the captain. You're the captain. Screaming it. This is at like 10 o'clock at night. I'm on my run at nighttime, and I'm like, well, this is like, I'm not used to this in Sturgis, Michigan, right? Like, what is happening? And, he, and she's screaming it. I'm not the captain. You're the captain. And he's, he's on something. And I sat and wondered. I started praying. I sit and wonder, dude, was he under the inf- He's definitely under the influence of drugs, but has he opened the gateway there for, for the, a demon to come? I thought 100% he was also um, demon-possessed and having a conversation with a demon. That was, like, my hair stood up on my neck, my arms. It was one of those, like, oh, come to Jesus. Like, there's, it was scary. Sorry, side note, but yeah, it, scripture does talk about the drugs, but yes, Jesus doesn't explicitly say, Jesus said, do not use drugs. So for things like, and there are, I'm sure there are a, a variety of other things that we could look at, you know, within our culture um, and say, oh, well, you know, it doesn't really talk about that. How can we come to a place of understanding what God's truth is, what God's standard is? If Scripture doesn't explicitly say something about that, well, there's always principles and values that you can you gather. Um, God never goes against His word. 
So why would God say one thing and then a, a years later it's completely okay now? Like that would be God going against his own word. You can see it being played out in so many areas. Let's take let's let's go down the marriage route, right? I mean, Jesus affirms 100% a man and a woman. There's references to that. There's uh, here's here's another example. Um I mean, a lot of people think, and maybe a lot of listeners don't know this, there are many people out there, even some biblical scholars, that do not believe that Jonah was a real story. They believe Jonah was a fictional tale um, to help get a point across. I jump on the bandwagon and actually think that was a real story because Jesus referenced it. I do. Um, so there are moments where Jesus references something, especially a lot of times we look at the Old Testament and say, ah, oh, it's so old, like, it, it, there's nothing. You know, Jesus, Jesus did come and says, hey, look at my life because I've come to fulfill the law. I'm everything, right? And he says, basically, there's two commandments that sums up everything in the Old Testament. Love God, love others. Everything hangs on those two commandments type thing. But I think there's those principles and those values that we can grab and literally say that you can understand stances um, I don't even think it's inaccurate to say that, to read into it. You don't read into it, but you can sit there and go, is this God-honoring? I think that's, that's, that's a question we have to ask ourselves with any stance that we have on any, um, anything when it comes to marriage, uh, homosexuality, political stances, whatever, is, is this God-honoring? And where in Scripture does it talk about this? Or, hey, that's a principle that kind of re- that relates to this topic, even though Jesus didn't explicitly say A, B, and C, but he definitely has principles there that guides in this matter. What does God have to say about this topic and this issue? So what would you say? I'm, I'm, I'm going a little bit off script here. What would, you, what would you say to the person who would say, well, hey, God, God Jesus says, you know, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't it loving my neighbor to allow them to engage in the relationships that make them happy? Isn't isn't that a loving stance? And, and, and again, I mean, because these are not just for those of you that are listening or watching. Like, we're not making these up. These are like real conversations that happen. You know, these are <laughs> these are real things that that. Uh, people would say, and, and it's understandable. So I just want to try to do a little bit deeper of a dive. No, yeah. I mean, so, I think loving, loving others also means loving them into truth. Not just, uh, again, deception of the devil is relativism and subjectivism. Truth is relative to you. You are the subject of your own truth. Whatever makes you happy, do it. Oh, but that's loving you. You just go, man, if that thing goes, makes you happy, even though I look in Scripture and probably can 100% say that's sin, but it makes you happy, it must not be wrong. Go do it. No, you are not the subject of your own truth. And so that's where loving others is loving them into the path that God has for them. And even if they are not saved, God still has a plan and purpose. They're just not living into it. They don't know God yet. Loving them is to try to get them back on the path that God actually has designed and created for them. That is loving others well. In a gracious and loving manner. We did a series, uh, when when did we do that series? Uh, We did it last May, so a year ago, called Culture Shock, and we talked about the balance of grace and truth. 
Because there, there are some of us, and this was my bent for a lot of years, who are very heavy on the truth side. No, this is what God says, and I'm going to beat it down your throat with a sledgehammer. Um, and then you've got people that err more on the grace side, where it's like, hey, you know what? It's cool. Jesus will forgive you. You know, do whatever you want to do. You do um, you. So, so there's there's a, a a tension to live into there because we we are called to truth, and there is a standard. Uh, we're also called to approach people in a gracious, loving manner. We we can't be one or the other. We need both. I think what is uh, Andy Stanley calls it like double double barrel. Because you need like a full load of both. You can't, yeah. you can't well be half truth and half grace. Nope, you need all grace and all truth all the time. And what I said, I, what I said, truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. You need both of them. And Jesus, we know, which we, we talked about during that series, that Jesus was full of grace and truth. I find it fascinating, though, side note, that the writer put grace first and truth. But what Jesus was the truth, so why would he have to put truth first? Because Jesus was truth. <laughs> but here's the thing. I mean, I, mean not, I know we talked about marriage a little bit. This is the scary thing, that the devil is real, and he's out to deceive us. The fine line of right and almost right. If I can twist it just a little bit, a little bit more, you'll fall off that rail. If, imagine your path is this rail, railroad that you're walking. If I can get you just to tinker on the edge, I can get you to come off it a little bit. It's deception with the small things. But we are called to love other people well. We're called to love us no matter what our stance is on politics. I, I keep going to that bent because... We're getting close to that season. It, it's getting close <laughs> to that season. It is. And um, now our nation is more polarized than ever. Uh, politics is just, man, you can't... It's, it's hurting our nation right now. And... We just need Jesus. And I think the devil can use anything we open the door for to allow disunity to come within the church and, and against God's word. So in this, in this message, and, and there are a lot, like we know, there's, <laughs> there are a lot more things we can do. And in fact, I do want to point people uh, to some resources. You know, we, we brought up in the, in the course of this episode uh, the whole idea of marriage. And, you know, everything that the devil does is, is a, a, a twisting or a, a, a taking something that God created that is good and, and, and marring it. Uh, and there's, there's some really good material by a guy named Preston Sprinkle, and he addresses the issue of marriage. And he actually, he, he takes it all the way back to creation and how, like, if you look at the original creation that God made, like how marriage is built into that and how, yeah, now how we've seen the devil, you know, put some almost right twists on that. Great material. Uh, Preston Sprinkle runs an organization called the Center for, uh, what is it, Faith, Faith, Gender, and Sexuality. Yes, you got it right. I believe. Um, brilliant, brilliant uh, information, brilliant material on how we can walk that line uh, to where we have grace and truth, uh, to where we're not jerks to people, uh, but we still point people towards what God calls us to. Um, so just wanted to make you guys aware of those resources. Um, but your whole thing on this message, right, we, we said gird up. Gird up. Like, gird, gird. <laughs> it makes me feel like I should, we should, like, write, like, a rap song or something. No, that's <laughs> probably wanna, not. You want to write a rap song? No? Okay. No. 
So, and, and you hit on it, right, with these quiet times. Is there anything else that people can do to gird up, to put on that belt of truth? Because you talk about how that is our core support. It is. Like, you yep. need that before you can put on any of the other armor. Yep. yep. There's a reason it's first. Yeah. Uh, here's just a big encouragement. Um, you know, coming to church is incredibly awesome, and we should as followers of Jesus for com- uh, larger community purposes is just one way we could do it. But here's the thing. You have to learn to feed yourself. You have to learn to feed yourself in God's word. Be a self-feeder. Um, don't just come in on Sunday morning and get God's word and then hold your breath. The re- It's like not taking another breath the rest of the week and waiting till again Sunday morning rolls around and you can get into God's word again. We got to start there. It's the foundational piece. It holds the rest of the arm, the 70 pounds of armor up. It all begins there, especially in a, in a culture of compromise. We need God's truth, which is his standard. It's his word. It's Jesus Christ being in the center of our lives um, and just being in living out his will and purpose on this earth. Rock and roll. Well, hey, thank you guys for joining us for episode 13 of Radiant Reflections, podcast of Radiant Life Church. If you're a podcast platform or if you're on YouTube, if it allows, we'd love to have you rate, review, subscribe. Give us some feedback. Let us know if, if there were aspects you wish we had covered about this. You can shoot emails to podcast at theradiantlife.church uh, if you have questions or comments about this episode. But uh, thanks for joining us, Ryan. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. And uh, you guys go out there and be radiant. Thanks for listening to Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. We hope today's edition of Radiant Reflections has helped you live like Jesus and share his love with your family, friends, and neighbors. To learn more about the church family this podcast originates from, check out theradiantlife.church. That's theradiantlife.church. Maybe you have some questions after listening today. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to podcast at theradiantlife.church. That's podcast at theradiantlife.church. Don't forget to subscribe to the Radiant Reflections podcast. When you subscribe, you'll always have the latest content delivered right to your phone from the Radiant Life Church. We'd also be grateful if you could rate and review Radiant Reflections. Every time we receive a five-star review, more people learn about this podcast. We also want to encourage you to share this podcast on social media and with your friends and family. Join us next time for another edition of Radiant Reflections.